Welcome back to the Black Jackson Estate Podcast presents the 12 days of Christmas. This is day 11 and we're back with our final installment, part three of our review of Thriller 40 with our special guest, Mr. Damian Shields. If you've not listened to part one and two, you got to go back to days nine and 10 of the 12 days of Christmas, then come back here and hear the final piece of our thoughts on Thriller 40. Thank you guys again for hanging with us this holiday season. We wish you and your family a very happy and Merry Christmas season. Thank you so much for supporting the Black Jackson Estate. Without further ado, here we are with day 11 for the Black Jackson Estate podcast presents the 12 days of Christmas. All right, we're jumping back into things. Again, I've got user 1.5 here along with our very, very special co-host and special guest, our friend Damian Shields. And we're talking all about Thriller 40, the documentary. If you haven't listened to yesterday's episode, you should go back there first. Hopefully you're keeping up day by day because that makes us a little more fun to do. But if you haven't listened to that one, you must before you kind of come here. This conversation is a continuation of that. Many strong opinions on this podcast. Damien being one of the most important and consequential contributors to the Michael Jackson fan community, not just a fan, but a historian, a storyteller, an author, someone whose voice will be and is already so important to the story and legacy of Michael Jackson. We're so honored to have him on our show. And we're so even more happy to call him a friend. Let's jump back into things. So we last left off playing a game called In or Out. And a lot of things went away in that game, in our in our mind from this documentary. But let's move on to something. <laughs> let's move on to something I think we can all agree or we can all have some lighter or more positive opinions about. Let's talk about Damien left off with this in the last episode, the songs that made the documentary from Thriller, which you would think all of them made it, but that's not true. That's not what happened. The songs that were discussed versus the songs that were not discussed. Let's start with the ones that were discussed. The Girl Is Mine, Wanna Be Starting Something, Billie Jean, Beat It, Human Nature, and Thriller. And there was a reason. They seemed to try to explain the why these were discussed. Not necessarily why the, the not discussed were not discussed, but there seemed to be reasoning behind talking about these. Let's start with The Girl Is Mine. The Girl Is Mine, the first single from Thriller. And it features, obviously, the most fa- maybe the most famous Beatle of all of the Beatles. What's That's his name? debatable. You what's don't even know his name, but he's the most famous. Paul John Paul. John Lennon his- was... Oh my God. Another one. This is terrible. What's this man's name? <laughs> it's Paul McCartney. John Lennon this was a different Beatle. Paul McCartney. And y'all, and y'all know I don't like them, but I do know that man's name. Paul, do you? Do I? That's a good question. Paul McCartney, who I like that one song he did. I can't oh think God. of it right now. We'll, we'll talk about it later. You, but, can't, you don't know his name. You can't think of the song, yet you know who he is, allegedly. The song about the uh, submarine. The, uh, the yellow submarine. Go ahead. No, this is not Beatles trivia night. Go ahead. I like that one. Okay, well, let's talk about The Girl Is Mine. The girl is mine. Dun, dun, dun. The doggone girl is mine. All right, this makes it. This makes a, the, this is the very first song, matter of fact, truly, that they talk about. I want to hear your feedback on how they chose to tell the story about the song and whether you thought it was a, a good, you know, relation of the song. Okay. Well, first of all, the footage is phenomenal. I loved the footage. They, the way they used the footage was, was really nice. It was really playful, really 
a lot of joy. You could see how happy Michael was in the studio. I loved visually what they were able to to do with the girl is mine segment. However, I don't know. And again, this is the recurring theme for the whole documentary is the storytelling and, and, the, and putting that in on the narrative of the thriller album and era. I don't know if they did that the right way. I don't know if they told the story of where the song came from, how it came to be and, and where it fits on the thriller timeline as well as they could have. But the footage was the footage is the footage. They have the footage. They used the footage. Thumbs up for that. Um, and it looks beautiful and it was a joy to watch, but yeah, storytelling wise and, and, and facts around the song and, and all of those things. No, it didn't hit for me. I think I that, I think yeah. that, and, I, and I'm going to add this before we get to use a 1.5, because I want you to talk about it as well. I thought that the footage and the vocals, like them em- emphasizing the vocals, really demonstrated how strong of a singer Michael Jackson was and how poor of a singer. Um, <laughs> what's, what's his, his name? name? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking though. I got it. Paul McCartney. I just, and, and, and I'm, I'm not impressed by the Beatles singing, but I thought that either one of two things, either you think that they're impressive as singers and Michael blows them out of the water from that end. And so you're like, wow, he's really great. Or you're like, this is such a mismatch in voice strength and quality. So what, why bring him in? Right. Let's talk about some of that user 1.5. what do you think about Don't it? And then nothing. why? And <laughs> Not about John John. Um, what do you think about it? And then why ahead. do we bring him in? Right. Cause I, I mean, if you disagree with me, you can just say, I don't agree. He actually has a wonderful, lovely singing voice. I've never that boy said good. that in my life. That boy I've good. never said that. I've never, okay. I, I've never understood the Beatles hype. If you love the Beatles, I love that for you. Um, I, not, I love that for you. <laughs> I just, the, the way that I got it. And let me, let me make this clear guys. I watched this documentary one time. Okay. That's all I cared to do. The way they narrated it, it almost felt like, oh, Michael wanted Paul McCartney so that he could come out of the gate rolling, you know, and he could pick up some momentum for this album. Michael already had Off the Wall, which was a phenomenal album, right? He didn't get the the accolades that he deserved for it, but Off the Wall was a phenomenal album. Michael didn't just, he's not a new artist who popped up on the scene who desi- decided to borrow from Paul McCartney to get a little clout. But that's the way it almost came across to me. And I didn't like that because he didn't really need Paul. If anything, Paul might have needed Michael. You know? Well, I think you make a good point. They talked about and I can't remember who said this. You're a Black artist until you're not a Black artist. <laughs> and you're not a Black artist when you cross over to pop. They were saying Michael said, Paul McCartney's my sneak attack. He's my sneak attack into getting into pop and being recognized in the mainstream. So I'm bringing him in, not just because I think I want to do a song with Paul McCartney, but because I think this is good for me to get into the mainstream. Like you said, it's a pretty weak song. Even a weak song, once you add a superstar like Paul McCartney, become something that people are going to listen to. And certainly a different audience is picking this up now who may have not been listening to Michael Jackson. Damon, what do you think about that being, it's a highlight of this film. Michael Jackson uses this moment as a thriller is a crossover intended crossover album, but specifically they point to this first single with Paul McCartney as being instrumental in that. 
Okay. So firstly, uh, factually, historically, let's get it straight. None of this was Michael's plan with, with the bringing in of white artists and crossing over that way. It was Quincy Jones's design. And that has to be stated. They totally missed the mark to say who intended it for this crossover thing. It's Quincy Jones. Michael Jackson himself testified in a deposition, a sworn testimony, when he was sued over the, the writing of The Girl Is Mine. He was deposed about the creation of the song. And he swore that Quincy Jones asked him to write a song that he and Paul McCartney could sing together. So he went away and he let the heavens do their work. And then he woke up and he wrote the song, The Girl Is Mine, for him and Paul McCartney to sing under the instruction of Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones is the one, and he's, Quincy himself has said this in numerous interviews, that he wanted an album that had all of the areas. He wanted adult contemporary. He wanted rock. He wanted pop. He wanted R&B. He wanted all of the areas. And Quincy's the one who says that that's what they were going for. So the narrative of Michael wanting to choose Paul McCartney, and then there's also the narrative of Michael wanting to choose a white guitarist for the solo of Beat It. Michael Jackson's demo of Beat It didn't have a solo on it. Michael Jackson didn't choose Eddie Van Halen. Quincy Jones did. That whole narrative needs to be taken out of Michael's mouth and put into Quincy's because that's where it came from. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you think that that's the the whole truth right I, and i say this from this perspective he was super upset about off the when they talk about this in the documentary super upset about off the wall not getting the recognition he felt it deserved right and he we hear michael's voice talking about how race is playing a role in in certain things in his career right so mm -hmm. what do you think um, do you think that i he think was that quince i think quincy said to him michael this is what we need to do if we don't want to repeat to of last it. time mm-hmm and he got on board with the philosophy. It was a, it was a smart move. If you want to have an album, if you're if you're a black artist who's made an incredible mark on the black music world. I mean, Off the Wall was the biggest selling art album by a black solo artist ever at that time. It was the first album mm -hmm. in history by any person, black or white or otherwise, to have four top 10 hits on the Hot 100. So Off the Wall was a huge success. Michael Jackson had reached audiences in a way that no black artist ever had before, but they wanted more. Michael wanted to have every song to be a hit. Quincy wanted it to cross over. And so it was by design as part of this grand plan to save the music industry, you know, send people back to the record stores. And with Michael saying, I want to make the biggest album ever, Quincy's the one who says that it was his idea to cross over into adult contemporary, into rock, into all these areas that Michael hadn't been in before. Quincy was the one who was demanding Michael to write a rock song. He said to him, I want you to write a black My Sharona. And Michael hadn't presented anything right to the end of the Thriller Sessions. Beat It was the last song that was presented by Michael for the Thriller Sessions after they'd already done the nine songs that they originally did and then analyzed those songs and then took away the four weakest and then went searching for even more songs to try and make their product better. That's when they took out songs like Nightline and Got the Hots and they changed Thriller to, from Starlight to Thriller and they did all that process of changing their product. And they went out, they found Lady in My Life, Human Nature, PYT, and that's when at the very last minute, Michael Jackson, under Quincy's instruction to write a rock song like My Sharona, 
And that's when he brought in Beat It. And it was Quincy's design. So I just feel like the posturing of Michael Jackson wanting to be this like person that appeals to white people, Michael Jackson throughout the whole course of his life, he says music is colorless. Great music is music. And that was his whole philosophy through the use of the peacock and all the multiple colors with all of the Jackson's albums. When he's doing interviews to promote all the off the wall album, he would say that it's colorless. So he's not with that mindset of, I want to appeal specifically to white people or specifically to these people. But Quincy saw that that would be necessary in order to, to achieve their goal. And that was by design. So I just think like, Historically, if you want to get the actual narrative straight, things have been put in in Michael's mouth that weren't necessarily there. But by the time he was speaking to Stephen Ivory about the single, when he said, this is my sneak attack, by that point, yes, he was on board with Quincy's plan. And yes, it was their sneak attack, but that wasn't, the song wasn't written because Michael wanted to appeal to white people. Do you think Michael Jackson was very conscious of the idea of crossing over because this is a still, this is a reality in today's music as well. Crossing over from black appeal and being pigeonholed into black appeal to widespread appeal. And widespread appeal is a white audience, right? Because there's yeah. a, it, it's the buying power. It's the, you know, it's all these different things. It's the accolades. It's the acknowledgement. Do you think Michael was seeking to cross over with Thriller because a lot of Black people will tell you that they listen off the wall and listen to Thriller and they're like, oh yeah, he's trying to get to this audience. That, you know, not to say they don't know who he is, but a lot of them have no idea who he is because he's still, look at his audience in Triumph and, you know, Victory starts to get mixed up now because this is the Thriller. You look at the audience in the concerts. If you look at the crowd who are literally in, in the audience, it shifts drastically from the triumph tour to the victory tour. Yeah. He does cross over. So intentional for him though, you think? All part of the plan. Masterminded yeah. by Quincy, but but Michael 100 percent on board. And if he wants to make the biggest album ever, you have to cross over because you can't just choose one specific demographic of people to appeal to. You have to appeal to universally to everybody. And that's why, you know, we now are able to go to the slums of India and ask somebody, do you know who Michael Jackson is? They say, yes, because he appealed to everyone. He was universal. He wasn't trying to appeal to Indian people. (laughs) He was trying to appeal to everybody. And And and, and I want to, I want to let you use a 1.5 jump in here too, because I also think there's this thing about it's exactly what you said, trying to appeal. And the history of black people in America is that you know, especially in music history, there was never an intent to not appeal to the masses. It's how the mass, it's how America was going to yeah. receive the music, right? Look at Off the Wall, which is a phenomenal album. He wasn't just making it for Black people. He was making it for everyone to consume and everyone was consuming it. Who's listening until we add a white guy to the track and we add Eddie Van Halen and we add... So you're, I think you're right. And I think that the history does speak to this, Right. Quincy Jones is the mastermind. Quincy Jones has been around a lot longer at this point than Michael Jackson. So he's already decided what he's seen and what his experiences have shown him about what it takes to actually cross the bridge, right? And to get to where Michael clearly wanted to go since he was so upset about what he felt he was not acknowledged for in creating Off the Wall. So he comes up, you know, Quincy goes in and he he puts a little, little you know, put a little hot sauce in it. He puts some Tabasco. He, put, he, he makes some, a soup right, for Michael, for Thriller, to sell to white America um, and to then sell to the world, right? Because if you can sell to white America, you can sell to the world. I love the footage. 
I thought it was fun to watch because it's always fun watching Michael just be Michael, right? And doing what he what he loved. And at this point, he was a little jaded by off the wall and not receiving what he felt like he should have. But he was still Hold on, you know, a little a little. <laughs> but he wasn't he wasn't chasing thriller. He was big right. Man. The rest, right. He was big but then man. the rest of his career, he was chasing thriller, right? Which right. put yeah. pressure on himself. So at this point, he there's nothing. I mean, he's just like, they gon' they're not gonna do this again. So I think that Honestly, especially during this this era, this time period, like I just watched the Little Richard documentary and I mean, the same thing was done to Little Richard, right? He was the king of rock and roll. But who got that moniker? Elvis Presley, a very white man. Um, and Elvis learned from Little Richard. Elvis said to Little Richard, according to Little Richard, <laughs> that, you know, you'll always be the king of rock and roll. That's not that's not me at this time. And, and it's not so much now i think i think that the music industry is pretty uh, there there are pockets of it that would prefer a non-black person to be you know white bread middle america but crossing over is not as big of a of a thing now i don't think as it was in the 70s 60s 50s 40s right and it's something that Black artists of that time had to deal with. So did Michael want to cross over? Yeah. It might not have been his idea off top, but who doesn't want everybody consuming their art? Since you'll hate the girl is mine, I love it. So I have to put that in there. because (laughs) Great song. I think it's a great song. Of course you do, David. Michael's solo version is much better than the Paul McCartney version. We don't need Paul McCartney on that song. When Michael goes, but we but can I have and it's that just sent Paul out. He could have laid down yeah. and died. And Michael he was clearly holding back vocally. Clearly to not embarrassed that man. Not, <laughs> he was holding back the way he was holding back on the whiz with dancing with Diana Ross. And he still made her look crazy. The girl is mine it's kicks off actually talking about the tracks from Thriller. And I'm going to skip around a little bit because they talk about want to be starting something. And Mark Ronson is featured prominently here and the Water Mm. Singers. Let's talk a little bit about the Water Singers since we're going through want to be starting something. I'm so glad they made this documentary. Voices that were instrumental on this album and, and, and who were in the studio with Michael. And I don't think they'd been on anything else formal. They clearly were excited to be a part of it. And so oh, here's yeah. a, like, a real plus for this documentary. We bring in these voices, which previously had not been heard in a formal, estate-sanctioned production or project these voices come in and they were so excited at someone the the one guy in the singing group says at one point i can almost feel michael's i can almost channel his spirit in this room that we were in and recording the songs what did you guys think about the coverage of that song in the documentary well yeah the waters were really good beyond that not much to say really nothing about no mark yeah because there's just mark left and you, you already said he could go fly a kite uh in the documentary using 1.5 are you going to echo damien's yes praise of the water yes. singers i and, love old and, black uh, people let me tell you something i love old black people with all they be of my having heart stories too i know they had to cut them because i know they talked and i hate to say it like this and guys don't take this the wrong way when i it, it's a cultural difference right people older black people who grew up in like the 40s, 50s, and 60s, they have a different swag about them, okay, than older white people that grew up in the same time period for obvious reasons, right? And I just love old black people. The way they told them stories, honey, you could tell that they loved every minute of working with Michael 
that this is something that they hold dear to them and they look great. Mark. Yeah, they looked really good. I don't know why Mark was there. I want to zero in on human nature. Human nature was one. What? Yeah. Human. I'm going to let you start, Damien. Human nature was brought up and in conjunction with it was essentially a battle between human nature and carousel as to whether or not it was going to make the album. And Quincy says it was only space in the album for one song like this and human nature won. Damien, what do you think about the, the vignette about human nature? Yeah, this is this is one where they had an opportunity to do something really special. The story of the song and how it came to the project. So again, this was one of the later songs that came to the project. It wasn't in the initial thriller sessions. They had to go looking for, for more songs when they didn't feel like they had the album down pat. This song came to Quincy on a tape from the group Toto. It was not a song that was actually intended to be pitched to Quincy for the Thriller album. It was on the reverse side. The tape reversed and it started playing. That's how it was discovered and Quincy fell in love with it. And the the story that Steve Picaro tells about the origins of that song and how it came to be is a, is a really beautiful story. And I think not having Steve Picaro in the documentary was, he was missed. I, I felt like I was, where was Steve Picaro? Steve Picaro was one of the group members of Toto. Toto was basically the session band that Quincy used for the Thriller album. But yeah, I feel like there was a missed opportunity with Human Nature to really tell the story of how that song came to the album. And the funny thing about the song is that Steve Picaro wrote it for, for Toto, for the band, to do as their own song. And the band chose to not do the song because their philosophy was that they wanted to do stadium songs, songs that when they went out on the road touring, they could do it in a stadium and the whole stadium would sing along like these stadium rock anthems. And the irony is that when Michael did the song on the Victory Tour, it was the the one where he would sing, say, everybody sing, and he would give the microphone to the crowd and they would sing it back to him. And Steve Picaro tells a really nice story about the irony of that, about the band turning that song down because it didn't fit the stadium formula. And then that they would turn the news on every other day through the victory tour and see Michael going from stadium to stadium. And the one that they would have on the broadcast is Michael having the audience sing human nature back to him. And they just thought it was really interesting. And I, I feel like there was a massive missed opportunity for that song to get its full story mm. told properly. Um, and they have the footage of Michael in the documentary in beautiful, glorious 4K performing human nature with the audience singing it back to him. It's all there, but the story's not there. So let's talk about some of those songs that did not get a feature. Baby Be Mine, Lady In My Life, and PYT. And I want to start, Damien, I want you to start. I'm going to tell you where to start. I want you to start with Lady In My Life. Because when you talk about stories behind the song, this is a wonderful one about Michael recording this one. Talk, talk to us about this was just excluded. Yeah, song, I don't yeah. even think they played one one note. They of did the not. Song. They did not. It was not included. And yeah, again, this is one of the four songs that came at the end of the Thriller project when they were looking to strengthen the, the product that they had, and they needed another song that was good enough to knock some of the others off. And this one came in. And like you said, the beautiful story of this song is that 
they recorded it and Quincy said he wasn't happy with it because the ending wasn't powerful and strong enough. And so he really like tried to coach Michael on what he wanted him to do at the end of the song. And he, the instruction he gave Michael was, I want you to beg at the end of this song. And this is not mythology. This is actually this contemporaneous video footage of Quincy telling this story, Quincy and Michael sitting there on a couch together, telling the story of how this song came to be the way we know it. And he asked Michael to beg and Michael was really shy. And so they, you know, turned the lights off and closed the curtain and Michael went behind the curtain so no one could see him. And he did those refrains that we hear at the end of the song and we have what we have and the song makes the album and it is what it is. And to not even get a note of that song in this documentary was just ridiculous, but it does make you wonder why why that is and is it is it because of tensions with the Temperton estate because Rod Temperton wrote The Lady in My Life Rod Temperton wrote Baby Be Mine those are two of the songs that don't get any spotlight at all um and Quincy's obviously very excluded from the documentary Quincy's the one who tells that story he's excluded and then you can segue over to PYT Quincy and James Ingram who was an artist on Quincy Jones's record label wrote PYT. And that is an amazing story about PYT that is also not told. It makes you wonder, is it just these tensions that mean that, well, we don't have good relations with Temperton Estate. We don't have good relations with Quincy. We don't talk about these songs. So we just is that like why? They don't exist. Yeah. We'll just pretend yeah. like they don't exist. Um, the only one I can forgive them for overlooking <laughs> is the is Baby Be Mine. And only because it's the only song from Thriller that Michael himself didn't even mention in his own autobiography. So there's, there was some, I think, some politics in in the studio about which songs would be picked. And I think Michael liked a couple of others more than he liked Baby Be Mine. Maybe perhaps it was the one that he didn't think should be on the album that Quincy really thought should be. Um, but I did find it interesting that Michael did not mention that that song at all in his biography or autobiography or however it's written his collection um, of essay prompts his vignettes uh, michael <laughs> didn't want to give michael didn't want to give the ladies he didn't want to give us anything so baby be mine definitely feels like a, i don't want to do it for them because he never wanted to do anything for yeah. us i'm just so like the begging and lady in my life he that wasn't his first time begging and I don't know who because he, <laughs> he did it way too convincingly. So I don't know who he was begging to before, whether it was. Well, he said he was dating Brooke Shields. Whether it was. Everybody's uh, so quiet. So <laughs> but he, this was not his first time begging. It was very clear. Very clear. Um, but um, so I don't know if that was for someone with the initials DR or I don't know. I don't know. I just don't don't you bring that lady up. You know that lady get under my skin. Don't you dare bring but, her name. But, mm. but but I want to say this. Baby Be Mine is a beautiful, like it's a it's so unique. When we talk about songs that are super unique in Michael's catalog, Baby Be Mine is certainly one of those. Um, his, vo- his vocals are really good uh, on that song. Use a 1.5. Baby Be Mine, Lady In My Life, PYT, James Ingram, who we just love over here. I just found out he was dead too. I didn't know he had No, died. he been dead too. I didn't tell you that. <laughs> I didn't know he you, had, you I didn't really, know. Nobody told me that he had died. Remember, I, I love was so him. shocked. I, I love his voice. 100 Ways is my favorite James James English. I said I think it's actually a Quincy song, but anyway, he's on it. Hmm. Let's talk about let's talk about PYT. PYT, pretty young thing. Yeah. You need some loving. 
Yeah. Tender love and care. We got we got Latoya and Janet in the background. They're not in this documentary. <laughs> and Latoya, I feel like she would be like the least problematic one. Latoya just likes to get her checks and go home. I, I just don't, I don't know why. Anyway, that's um, my Latoya impression. <laughs> <laughs> it's so authentic. She ain't faking it. That's how she no, is. No, that's just how that's she how is. That's how she is at the house. Yeah. That's how what she do you is. Think? What do you think? Do you think PYT needed some love on it? Like what, these three songs, this collection of songs that were just complete. It's, uh, it's one of the top 10 hits. Why wouldn't it get it? Yeah. Why, why wouldn't we put this in there, right? Yeah, like, I love but it's, Why are we missing these songs? There's three. I don't know. You're asking me why. I don't know. Damien has his theory. I like his theory. I feel like it's probably with that. that, but I don't know why. Only they know why they went the direction that they went with this whole <laughs> documentary. Okay? We got, listen, we got Dynamite by BTS. We got whatever the Polo G song, yeah. we got that in the documentary mm-hmm. too, yeah. right? You had room for those. You made room for those, but somehow we can't get the actual songs on the album. I just don't, the album that the documentary is about at that. Um, I just don't, you know, PYT is a great song. I, I honestly, I think it would have been a great opportunity to do what Damien said at the top of the show, which was invite Kanye West on to talk about. PYT and then how he sampled it in his song. Like if you wanted to do that continuity, that's the way to do it. User 1.5, if you had to rate Thriller 40, the documentary, and you had to give it a grade of an A all the way down to an F, what's the grade you would give it? Just say the grade and give us a... Just give us a clip are of your traditional, why. Are these traditional grading? If you like were a teacher and had to bring out your red okay. ink pen and do the grading, and you know how the teacher, when they were really disappointed in you, they would write it, <laughs> I'm really disappointed. <laughs> right, you can do they would, this. It would be right next to that D that you got. It would be, I'm really disappointed. Come yeah. to my office. What would, you, what would you give this documentary? And A being superb and F being why we here? I would give it a D. Plus. D is in dog or B is in do better boy. next time. No. D is in do better, yes. Um <laughs> I I um and I a I D give plus it a, a minus D plus, just a D plus. Even. Okay, you D know, plus. They tried and they clearly heard the assignment. You know what I'm saying? We just didn't <laughs> understand the assignment. It like it's kind of there. Like um I think that, you know. The footage, because of how beautiful it is, that's where the plus, that's why I gave him a plus. That's what saved it from the F? That's, <laughs> yes. <laughs> because wow. some of the footage I hadn't seen before, like the Paul McCartney bit and you For know sure. what I mean? Like, yeah. so, so. And we got the 4K stuff. Yeah. And we got oh, everything as, as digitally updated as possible for whatever the original quality was. So, I mean, I, I, that's the, where the plus comes in. I, I definitely think, if I had a red ink pen and marked on the paper, you wouldn't see too much white. It would be blood. It would be blood <laughs> in the streets. Yeah. Damien, what do you think? A to F. We got a D plus so far. Can we bring the average up or where are you landing? When I first saw this in the cinema, you get one chance to watch it. No replays, no notes, no nothing. You can't pause it. You can't. All you're doing is watching it. The footage got me at a B plus or an A minus the first time I watched it in the cinema a year ago. I was blown away by the source material. I thought it's just so good to have all of this in one place. So the potential for it to be an A is there. But the way that it ended up with 
no changes, no revisions, no improvements. I would have to give it a C minus. That's not it's, a bad. You know, it's we not, practically it's, it's, agree. It's, it's not a D plus so for, and a C minus. Yeah, same thing. It's, it's <laughs> mine's the nicer way to say it, right? <laughs> right. It's Damien not, just took the high road. That's all. It's not not enjoyable to watch. Like it's 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 enjoyable to watch because the footage in it is so good. If you're not watching it as a documentary, if you're just watching it because you want Michael footage and content, it's great. And I think that's why the first time I saw it in the cinema, I came away like so excited about all of the content and footage. Like, this is really great. Over the year of re- reflecting on the way it was put together, I started to get really pissed off. And that's why I started to feel like if they don't make changes to it, if they don't make the improvements that are there to be made, the, the glaring obvious ones, then my feeling about it is shifting and shifting and shifting. And then when I watched it, you know, I paid for the Showtime month because I'd already got my free trial a month earlier to watch the Millie Vanilli documentary. <laughs> so I didn't have free mm-hmm. showtime. I didn't have free mm-hmm. Paramount Plus account for the uh for the thriller one. I was I paid for it. Uh and when I saw it and realized it is still the same as how it was before. <laughs> only with some victory tour footage taken out. But it's really difficult to compare the one in the cinemas to the one that was released without having the ability to put them side by side and say what what is actually different. I'm going to go ahead and give this uh, documentary an F since no one wanted to say it. And <laughs> wow. Go ahead and just give it a flat wow. F. Hey, it don't got, have pluses it, or minuses. It got released. Because... <laughs> it got released. Right. And Thank it, you, Dan. And it is a documentary. So it's, yes. it's it has to be like an yes. E minus at best. That's saying like I took and the they test. Did- but since, so I shouldn't get an F, even if I didn't get none of the answers right. Right. But I said they got the assignment. <laughs> they just didn't understand it. It's I'm giving it an F because it needed to be done. It's an F. It needs a redo, complete redo, complete makeover, extreme home makeover, wife swap. It needs a wife swap. Call Jermaine. It needs a wife swap. Not a wife swap. Just didn't do it. Didn't do, and and now I'm saying this as the. It, I don't think we were the intended audience, oh. but we are the main consuming audience as right. fans. It did not give us anything that we truly, truly wanted outside of the footage. Which Damien, you made the point. We can't. I'm not giving you credit for that shit. <laughs> it's a documentary. I'm not giving you credit for that. I want to give final thoughts. To you guys, because Damien, I think there was something else you wanted to say. I was going to ask at the end, did this meet your expectations? But I think the answer is clear. But Damien, I think there was something else you wanted to point out to people about this documentary. So there was just one thing that really frustrated me at the very end of the documentary. There's some on-screen text and it's telling you about the achievements of the album and the stuff that's on the album. So one of the on-screen texts says that this album had seven singles were on the billboard top 100 this is a very minor nitty-gritty pick but it's the hot 100 it's not the top 100 the chart used to be called the top 100 and it was changed in 1958 since 1958 it has been called the billboard hot 100 not the top 100 so i mean it's it's minor but that really pissed me off because it's it's wrong and it could so easily be right. And if they would have asked anybody mm-hmm. to do a proof check of the documentary, anybody who knows <laughs> anything about anything would have mm-hmm. said, well, the chart's called the Hot 100, not the Top 100. The second thing which appeared on screen text immediately after that was text that said, 
that Billie Jean is Michael Jackson's most streamed song with 1.1 billion streams. It doesn't. It didn't say on which platform they're talking about those streams were achieved. I presume they meant Spotify, and I presume they have forgotten that Michael's music is also streamed on YouTube, Apple Music, Amazon, and a number of other places. And if they really did mean Spotify, the proof that this documentary did not receive any updates beyond the middle of 2022 is that Michael's Spotify streams of Billie Jean were 1.1 million in the middle of 2022. This documentary came out in December of 2023, at which point the the song Billie Jean had had 1.55 billion streams on Spotify alone, which is 450 million more streams than when they made that on-screen text. And the the next thing is they didn't even include the YouTube streams and everything else. If you just tally the streams that Billie Jean had between YouTube and Spotify, as of the, the release date of that documentary, it's more than 3 billion. And they've got 1.1 billion on there as their statistic. The other thing is the TikTok session uh, section of the documentary. All of the statistics in that part are also only up to date as of mid 2022. So that makes me feel like they didn't touch it for 18 months, and it just got released as it was 18 months prior with all of the old statistics and mistakes and everything that could have easily been fixed if anybody would have been allowed to proof check it. It's really interesting. Right. It's interesting right. stuff. It's psychological warfare against the fans. <laughs> it continues. John Branca is in charge of the psychological warfare project. Using 1.5, what are your final thoughts on Thriller? I, like I said, I gave it the F because no one wanted to say it. I just say it. And uh, it makes it a lot easier and a lot cleaner. You know, hmm. excellence or no. Excellence yeah. or no. And uh, given Michael was striving for excellence and reached, damn near reached it for this, this is a piss poor showing of uh, those efforts. What do you think? 1.5, your final thoughts. Yeah, I definitely not excellent. I'm not, um, like I said, I watched it the one time and I was like, yeah, it's a documentary. I mean, I don't, I don't, I echo everything Damien said. I mean, it's very poor <laughs> editing. <laughs> I'm trying not to just dump on like, but it's very poor editing. I mean, just simple fact checks, simple updating simple like little things they could have done trying on i hear you saying you. just trying <laughs> right trying goes I mean, a long even way. in sitting on that for a year <laughs> this is the text at the end of the documentary so it's not gonna hurt anything to cut and re-type tech it out and put it in another you know put it in the documentary again so like just uh, my god I, <laughs> We really should have just let Spike have at it. Here's a good thing for fans, because I, I agree, guys. I just think it I just think overall we just really just a missed opportunity to do something so it could have been really, really good. And the good thing for fans is that there there are two additional Michael Jackson documentaries in the works, one being Trial by Media by Jen, who is currently still raising funds for his documentary and is diligently working on it. That's to be expected at some point in time in the future, hopefully the near future. Of course, Taj Jackson, Michael's nephew, Tito Jackson's son, is working on a docu-series about his uncle's life and career called Rewriting History. He also is still accepting donations 
for his documentary and those efforts, it is slated to be, unless something has changed, a multi-part docuseries that examines Michael's life, humanizes him, and gives the world uh, a very intimate look at the life, history, music, legacy of Michael Jackson. And of course, if you are uh, just being really honest, it's just a controversial project at this point uh, in the fan community with some very strong camps for and against, but it is still being promoted as a, a project that will see the light of day that will again add to the Michael Jackson pantheon of documentaries. So um, everyone should be aware of those projects that are also in the works. I don't think I missed anything. That concludes another episode of the Black Jackson State Podcast presents the 12 Days of Christmas. Thank you so much to Damian Shields for sharing his time with us using 1.5. It looks like we'll be back again tomorrow. We are inching towards Christmas Day and we hope you guys are rested. We hope you're taking time off work if you can. If you can't take time off work we hope you're able to listen to this podcast and it brings you some joy in this holiday season we'll be back tomorrow Damien thank you thank you thank you thank you for having me Thriller 40 you gotta check it out what do you guys think about it you know that's just our views of course everyone has a different opinion take a look at Thriller 40 let us know your thoughts and um, if you would recommend it to someone else to watch to learn more about Michael Jackson this is the Black Jackson Estate Podcast we will see you tomorrow on the next 12 Days of Christmas 